Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets, high-performance gas ranges, or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit the Ferguson Showroom on Powell Avenue in Nashville and discover the controlled convenience of Jet Air's connected wall oven. Innovative, intuitive, and in the palm of your hand. Reinvent your kitchen with Jet Air and find it at Ferguson. Uh, guest list has been tremendous today. Big thanks to Dan Orlovsky for joining us, Oliver Luck, Franco Harris, and much more. Uh, and, and more to come, including Jonathan Abram, the safety for the Oakland Raiders. He'll be with us today at 1.30. Uh, plus, Chad, will have some Top Gun actors on the show. Yeah, Glenn Powell, Monica Barbaro will join us. Uh, they play uh, young naval aviators in the upcoming Top Gun Maverick movie due out this summer. So looking forward to talking to them to close out the show today. And we kick off the noon hour with Greg Cosell of NFL Films. He's presented by the Huffaker Group of Keller Williams Realty online at THGTN.com. Greg, great to see you again. So after that guest list you just announced, you're obviously slumming right now with me here. Absolutely uh, not. <laughs> people, you're you're one of the few guests that people have been asking us on Twitter. When is Greg Cosell going to join you guys? Yep. Yeah. Because you well, weren't on with us in your normal time on Wednesday. Well, then it's a good thing that I passed up the Shakira Jennifer Lopez uh, press conference to be with you guys. Absolutely. We can see it on the television yeah. screens to our What's left. Right I know now. PK would rather be there, but you know he's got to be here with you guys. Got to do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> we did see uh, Derek Henry just walk by, Paul. Yeah, it's handlers. Uh, not the type of handlers that I like. I just, I just, I never understand how guys who play for franchises uh, are then with handlers who don't see fit to go on to Nashville. Yeah, think about their home markets at right. all. No, it, does, it doesn't make any sense, Greg. It never fails. Greg will join us in Nashville. He joins us each week, again, presented by the Huffaker Group of Keller Williams Realty. Let's start with some Titans discussion. Because sure. there's a lot of moving parts to this offseason. A lot. Dean Pease announces his retirement. They're going to have a new defensive play caller. And with all the free agent list that is lengthy, it starts at the top with Henry and Tannehill. As you evaluated Tannehill, and we've, we've discussed this quite a bit, but we kept waiting on the wheels to fall off in some regard when he took over, and it just did they not didn't. happen. How much of that is just when you see a guy and you evaluate him, Greg, and it's like, okay, he just fits this system, and it's all about – players say hey, it's, it's really all about fit. Is, is that what it was with Tannehill and this offense and Arthur Smith and how they got the ball rolling? Well, I think the issue you're going to face with Tannehill, and some might see it this way, is the offense essentially became – Derrick Henry's offense as the foundation. You know, Derrick Henry obviously led the NFL in rushing, I guess, over the last, maybe beginning with the first KC game, I believe yes. it was. Um, week week 10. 10. You know, I think if you use that game as the starting point, his rushing numbers and attempts were just off the charts. And that's Tannehill's starting point, too. Right, right. So, again, I think Tannehill played extremely well, but some might say, I don't want to make it seem, I don't want to dismiss Tannehill, but could some say, that a lot of quarterbacks could have done that. And I'm talking about now if you're in the organization thinking, what do we have to pay him if we're going to sign to a long-term deal? Because if I'm Tannehill's agent, I'm going in and I'm saying, hey, you know, it's my time now. I was your starting quarterback. We made it all the way to the AFC Championship game. Come on, show me the money. You know, so the question is, and I think 
personally, I think Tannehill throws the ball really well, and I think in the context of this offense, he did exceptionally well. Uh, so uh, yeah, let's put it this way. I would hate to break up the band. I mean, I would love to see Tannehill and Henry back, but they do have a lot of free agents. They're going to have to sacrifice some. I mean, for instance, I'm not sure Logan Ryan's going to be back here. Uh, he may be a guy you have to sacrifice, uh, and he's a really good football player in my view. But I think as your offensive starting point, and I don't think you want to change your overall philosophical approach, I think you'd really like to keep Henry and Tannehill. And I, I think we all agree on that, Paul, is you start there, and if you can bring those two back, uh, your foundational pieces, you can build around that. Yeah, and and defensively we know, uh, you know whether Logan Ryan is back or not, this team needs uh, a foundational pass rusher. Right. Yes. Um, and it has for some time. How glaring is a weakness of a weakness is that, Greg, for the Titans' defense? I think it's a definite weakness. Look, I think Cameron Wake and he got hurt, so you don't know what would have happened if he had been able to play down the stretch. Um, Landry, I guess we don't we don't really know yet because he's had moments, but not enough. Uh, he hasn't become, to use Paul's term, a foundational pass rusher just yet. Maybe he will. Uh, but you never have enough pass rushers in today's NFL. Uh, my guess is if Mike Vrabel becomes the defensive play caller, that he will not be high, high percentage blitz because that's not his background. So if that's the way you're going to play, you need to have a four-man pass rush that can pressure the quarterback, particularly in those situations when it's demanded. Third down, critical moments in games. So it becomes increasingly important. But he seemed very on board with Pease being um, able to, to scheme up yes. ways. They seem content with that. Um, Out of necessity, though. Well, that's yeah, I mean, imagine being the 49ers where you don't have to scheme up pressure no, because I, I, you can get there. I know. And but I, I, I think philosophically, though, they also said, like, listen, these guys are hard to find. We just can't, the, the, we can't find. Uh, there's no easy route for us to find one. So do they find a difficult you think route that to find one? Philosophically, the Titans are saying they're not going to give up on pass rusher because no, they're hard to find? I'm not saying they're going to give up on finding one, but I'm saying it's gotten harder to find one now. They're drafting at 29. Well, sounds like pressure a takes There are plenty of guys drafted after 29 that are making a difference in this league. I know. I, and certainly they're going to try to look, but I don't think magically one's going to appear for a franchise that's had trouble well, having one magically appear. A wide receiver magically appeared in the second round. Well, That's immediately pre- paying you know, dividends. Pressure also takes many forms. One thing Dean Pease did really well is he was able to bring four-man rushes but the fourth player was a safety or a corner at times, uh, and it was still a four-man rush. We call that a zone exchange, where then you'd still play zone coverage behind it, and it would be a four-man rush, but it would be a, safe, uh, a, a safety linebacker corner. Uh, so we'll see if Mike Vrabel takes the same philosophical approach. But at the end of the day, if you're just looking at D-line, right now they're probably lacking that, that pass rusher that you'd ideally like to have. Jack Conklin's going to get paid big on the open market that's our expectation tackles get big money and And you're thinking that he's not going to be back i i would expect not i mean at this stage if i'm him and or if i'm his agent i'm telling him hit the open market and see what offer you get i i think there will there's always a team out there that unloads for a tackle help yeah and he played well this year (laughs) Chad's apparently love him really there's a, a chad forbes has tweeted that out no, I, my guess is he'll get paid, and I think he's a good player. Um, I, you know, again, 
when you're a team like the Titans, look, we, Tannehill's a free agent. Henry's a free agent. Conklin's a free agent. Yep. Logan Ryan. Who else? Those are the big four. Dennis Kelly. But those are the big four, yeah. right? Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's and probably at, one player more than they can reasonably afford. And at the end of the day, and we, and, and I'm sure this is a debate, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, Derrick Henry's agent is going to come in and say that he needs Zeke Elliott money or more. And that's a lot of money. So the question is, are they going to pay that? I guess he can be franchised, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah, who knows? That could happen. You love matchups like this. Oh, it's great. How how much fun is it evaluating these two teams with the with the different? Yeah, you certainly know the the Shanahan's well and the yes. system in San Francisco. You followed Andy Reid's career forever. I mean, the back and forth and the gamesmanship and the 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 chess match that takes place Sunday should be phenomenal. To me, this is a real chess match game because both teams are pretty defined, but there's also enough tweaks that I'm really anxious to see uh, a number of elements in this game. And, and, you know, one thing I'm really anxious to see is what Kyle Shanahan does offensively because I think he's going to come out and be aggressive. They don't need to establish the run. They've already established the run. So I think he's going to be very, very aggressive throwing the ball early out of his base personnel packages. We saw him come out and do that against New Orleans when they were on the road. And yeah. He felt like they had to score a lot of points. And, and they did. And they did. And I think it, it would not surprise me to see him do that in this game, to come out early with aggressive passing and play action, run action, but throw the football. The, both teams, even in their losses, are close games. I mean, they average margin there in their losses combined was like five points. Right, right. Neither team lost a game by more than seven. I mean, they, pretty remarkable. It really is. And, yeah. and the competitive nature of both programs right now, both organizations, at an extremely high level in the way they've been built. Uh, the Chiefs' defense has certainly improved. You mentioned Henry in Week 10. From that point, the Chiefs' defense improved dramatically. Yes. Um, what, what allowed that turnaround for Steve Spagnolo? I think a couple of things. I think, one, uh, he became more comfortable with his players and what they do. And trust. Yes, and they became more comfortable with him. I think that they increased their their pressure concepts as the season has progressed. I think he got a really good feel of Tyran Matthew and what he is because he's an incredibly multi-dimensional safety who can be used in a lot of different ways. And I think he got a sense of what Matthew is and can be. And I think he's a key individual player in this game for the Chiefs defense. You know, and so much talk about the Chiefs defense, even for the Titans going up to Kansas City, that that could be an area that they could exploit in the game. They weren't able to. The Chiefs did a great job against the Titans' run. How talented is that defense? In terms of across the league, and you're just looking at talent, how talented is the Chiefs' defense? You know, Chad, I have a different point of view on that. I don't know if they did a great job against the Titans' run. I think that Henry had 62 yards in the first half. Now, granted, it was 16 carries, so it wasn't as if he averaged five yards a rush. But as you guys know, much of Henry's production comes in the second half when the game presents itself and had presented itself as, hey, we can now give the ball to Derrick Henry, and he wears you down. So it's very possible if that game had played out differently that Henry's production would have been very good in the second half. But what happened, obviously, as you guys know, is that that final drive of the first half ending with a Mahomes touchdown run and the first drive of the second half – made a 28-17 and the whole feel of the game changed mm-hmm. and even though they were not quite 
down far enough where you had to abandon Henry. I, I remember watching the game live and feeling like, wow, this game does not have a Titans feel to it as far as how they want to play. So I don't know if they totally shut down Henry, but the bottom line is I think their defense is better, and I think Chris Jones, assuming health, is a really big factor because he's a dominant inside player with his combination of size and movement. You mentioned Matthew as a big matchup for for the Chiefs against what San Francisco will do. Let's discuss the movement with within both offenses, but let's 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 start with San Francisco and how they'll use motions and, and different things uh, to to kind of get the defense to tip their hand. But also, it's the next level of the Shanahan offense yeah. from Denver. I mean, that's that's the new wrinkle that Kyle has now added, and Garoppolo does a tremendous job of getting everyone lined up. Yeah, well, two things really stand out when you look at this 49er defense. One is their use of shift and motion. No team in the NFL uses shifts and motions more than the 49ers. And shifts and motions are never window dressing. There's always a reason. You know, and I always hear an announcer say, well, it's a lot of window dressing. It's never window dressing. There's a reason. And I think the other thing that Kyle Shanahan does better than any coach in the league, when teams are play zone and he has a very good feel for when a team will be in zone and man when teams play zone coverage the second level defenders and it's linebackers and often a safety they have both a run and a pass responsibility shanahan is the best in the league at putting those players in conflict through his use of play action or what we often call run action so those players get put in conflict and Shanahan is the best in the league at that and he attacks them and breaks them down and that presents defined reads and throws for Garoppolo and he can get the ball out quickly as well that's the game Garoppolo is a timing and rhythm player and when the throw is defined within him hitting his back foot shifting his weight delivering the football that's when he's at his best how aggressive do you think Spagnola will be defensively in this matchup in terms of blitz, you mean? or Yeah, uh, well, in, in trying to get after the quarterback. He'll blitz situationally. The thing is, what the 49ers do a lot of is they play with base personnel. Juszczyk, Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, plays well over 40% of the offensive snaps. So what happens is, as a defense, you st- tend to stay in your base defensive personnel. So more than likely, the Chiefs will have four down linemen and three linebackers on the field. And the large majority of pressure packages, pressure concepts, do not come out of your base defense. They tend to come out of your, your sub, whether it's your nickel with five defensive backs or your dime with six defensive backs. So I think that Shanahan will attack them with his base versus their base, knowing that he'll not get a lot of pressure. And they're using his base will, you're saying, keep Kansas City in theirs. In their base. Does he, does Go ahead, he, Paul. Does he add a lot, Shanahan, maybe more than his colleagues around the league week to week in terms of new plays, different stuff, new conceptual stuff you're talking about, the shifts and the motion and the use of space? I would say he, he builds. He's a builder, and it depends on the defense. We see how Samuel now gets involved in the run game as well. And I think for them, that's not a gimmick. You know, for other teams, you might say, hey, that's a, that's a gimmick. For them, that's building offense off of base concepts. Like, for instance, we had Samuel, um, I think it was, it, it might have been earlier in the season, but they've used him a lot. But they, they showed 
what looked like a counter run, and then Samuel came on the reverse, and he gained 30 yards. It might have been against New Orleans. But they build off their base looks. So for them, like I said, it's not, it's not like a flea flicker. It's not a, you know, a gimmick, tricky play. It's just building off what they do, and you can expect that to happen in this game for certainty. How do you go about evaluating Patrick Mahomes? And, and from, from well, this, I'm usually from, sitting in my chair well, watching him on from, from this standpoint, <laughs> from this standpoint uh, you're, you're very um, analytical when it comes to, okay, the quarterback's doing this or that versus what he's seen. Right. But so much of what Mahomes does is just keep plays alive and yeah. his receivers then break open sometimes five, six, seven seconds after the ball is snapped. So how much of that is just pure talent versus what Andy Reid designs well it's a combination because Andy Reid's a very good designer of pass offense and I think one one kind of dichotomy in this game is Shanahan builds a lot of what he does based on what the defense does I think Andy Reid runs his plays out of different personnel different formations regardless of the defense he runs his core group of plays and they're really good Um, the issue with Mahomes and this is going to be the issue for the Niners yeah they do have a good pass rush but Mahomes does have that ability to keep plays alive and when he keeps plays alive he doesn't just look to throw a check down he looks at the intermediate and deeper levels because his vision on the move is outstanding so that's the thing that's very hard for a defense to kind of deal with because it's difficult to cover whether it's man or zone to cover for five six seconds I know yeah especially with the speed elements and, you know, the Niners played a lot more man coverage down the stretch than people probably think. I'd be surprised if we saw them play a ton of man. And, in fact, I think you'll see more zone and more of what we call split safety zone with two deep safeties. Uh, that's just my sense of the matter because, uh, ideally, when you play the Chiefs, the last thing you want to do is give up the 60-yard touchdowns. They had uh, Kansas City had 18 passing plays of over 40 yards this season compared to eight for San Francisco. And so, there are different pass games, obviously. Right, but yeah. that that speaks to your point yeah. on what Mahomes does yep. whenever he's moving around. He's looking deep, and he connects on a lot of them. Yeah, the Niners, on the other hand, they're a rhythmic passing team, and much of what they do works between the numbers. Uh, I don't have the exact number, but my guess is they'd probably be among the highest in the league at, at Garoppolo throwing the ball between the numbers. And I think that's one reason you'll see Tyran Matthew in what we call a robber position a lot in this game where he kind of sits 10, 12 yards from the line of scrimmage in the middle of the field because so much of that 49ers pass game is between the numbers. Greg Cosell with us, and, and during these visits, uh, at Super Bowl Radio Row, we tend to at least spend a segment or so discussing something he's already started to do, which is prepare for the NFL draft. We'll, we'll get your take on a few quarterbacks of interest and much more. More coming with Greg Cosell, Midday 180, 104.5 The Zone. Tony Barnhart talks college football with you every Saturday. Presented by Strouds Barbecue and by Tennessee Steel Haulers. Saturday mornings at 9.15 on 104.5 The Zone. Midday 180 on 104.5 The Zone. Our coverage from Radio Row at Super Bowl 54. Presented by Ferguson Bath Kitchen and Lighting Gallery and the Low T Center. Greg Cosell continues to join us here at our broadcast site. and Let's look at a few of the, the upcoming quarterbacks that 
you and I and Paul and Chad will chat about at the NFL Combine shortly. Um, God, it's, uh, Joe it's, Burrow. It's prime time this year, by the way. Did you know yes, that? Yes, it is. Prime. It's going to change the whole dynamic I, of the Combine. Yeah, it's going I'm to be not weird. sure how excited I am about that. I'm surprised that it, it's taken this long to go to prime time. Oh, me too. Me too. It's the right move for yeah. the league. Without question. Um, Joe Burrow. As, yes. As you watch him, Greg. Um, the, the Dan Orlovsky called him a stone-cold killer with us earlier. He said he just loves the aggressive mentality and how he's able to throw receivers open. Did you find the same in your evaluation? Yeah, I like Burrow a lot. To me, there's only one thing you would say about Burrow, and it's everybody knows that he does not have high-level arm strength, but that would probably be the only thing you'd say that was not a real positive in his game. Plays with a lot of poise, a lot of composure, there's a relaxed calmness to his game. Kind of reminded me of Tom Brady in that way, just calm. Um, but I think he's got all the traits that you look for. He, he's poised, vision, clarity, timing, pocket efficiency, precise ball playing, very accurate thrower. And sometimes that's overlooked when we evaluate quarterbacks, especially guys with big arms. And he does not have a big arm, but he's got second reaction ability. He can move around and still see things. Um, I think he's a high-level prospect. I mean, he's, he'll, he'll be the first player chosen. Well, and uh, Dan Orlovsky, we asked him about him, anticipation mm. is right. what he kept bringing up. That's what was separating him in, in his mind from even Trevor Lawrence, who obviously has another year right. to get right. better before he goes to the draft. But is that something you see with him, his great anticipation on his throws? Um, yeah, because I think he has a, a, a very good sense of what he's seeing. You know, I would say that the term I always use is elimination and isolation as opposed to process. I think he's got high-level elimination of what's not there, and then isolation of what is there within the structure of the play. And that allows him to throw with anticipation and great timing, no question. Is he far and above the best quarterback in this draft? Yeah, I think he's easily the best. Like it's him and then Yeah, I would say so. I think he's the number one quarterback prospect in this draft, for sure. Your thoughts on Tua? Yeah, Tua's a guy that um, maybe my points of view on him are a little different than most. Um, I would say Tua is a good prospect, not a great prospect. I think he's, to me, he's, he's an efficient executor of a well-defined and well-schemed pass game. That's what I think Tua is. He's not a great athlete. He's not Russell Wilson. You hear a lot that he's like Russell Wilson. I don't see that at all. He's not a great athlete. To me, for Tua to reach a high level as an NFL quarterback, he would have to play the game like a Drew Brees. I'm not saying he's Drew Brees, but he'd have to play the game like a Drew Brees with an advanced and refined sense of timing, rhythm, ball placement. And for the most part, he's a pretty accurate thrower. But that, to me, is the style of quarterback he would have to be to play at a high level. Who's the quarterback at the top of your list that you would say, you know what, I can't wait to watch him throw at the combine? Because you, you put a lot of stock right. into seeing that live Yeah, I do like person. watching live. Who... Who's at the top that you just need to see more of before you, you finalize your your opinion? I would like to see, and I've seen him throw live, but I'd like to see him again. I'd like to see Jake Fromm throw live. Um, there's certain things I like about Fromm, uh, and then there's other things when you watch him on tape in terms of throwing that I'm not sure. So I, I want to sort of get another look at him throwing live. Um, I'm real anxious to see Jordan Love throw live. I like Jordan Love's tape a lot. Um, I know people see 17 interceptions and they just look at a number on a page and automatically assume that that's bad and he's had a bad year. Interceptions, you've got to look at every interception and see why they occur. Um, you know, if I really had to go out on a limb and, and 
to me, I'm not going out on a limb because I, I've done the hard work on these quarterbacks. I might like Jordan Love a little more than I like Justin Herbert as a prospect. Because to me, Jordan Love has more what I would call ball distributor traits. Herbert, to me, is more of a big play guy. Herbert reminded me in some ways of a Josh Allen. And there's nothing wrong with Josh Allen. He's had a great second year in Buffalo. But he's not what I'd call a precision throw. He's not a ball distributor. You know, it's not eight yards, seven yards, six yards. You know, he's not right. that guy. I think Jordan Love has more of those kinds of ball distributor traits. Go go a, a, a bit further on Jordan Love because he's he's going to be a quarterback that not many have watched play based right. on where he's out of. Sure. Um, he's not on TV every week, or if he is, it's a tough channel to find. Um, what, are, what are some of the other assessments that you put down for strengths and weaknesses? Um, you know, I think that he, he's got very good arm strength, but he also showed the ability to throw with pace and touch when needed. Um, one thing that I thought he did well is he moved his feet with his eyes and stayed balanced in the pocket. A lot of quarterbacks, if they're looking one way and then they want to throw another way, they don't move their feet, and they end up throwing off balance. I think Love showed a, a good sense of being able to do that. Um, I like the fact that he made some stick throws into tight windows. I think that's always important in the NFL. Um, I think he, overall he's a higher-level arm talent. He can throw with velocity. He can throw with touch. He's got mobility. He has definite first-round traits. He'll probably be in the eye of the beholder. Quarterbacks we know do get drafted. I like Jordan Love. I think that he is a first-round prospect. Greg Cosell with us. How many do you think are first-round prospects? Well, I know it, where it, guys get drafted is different than what's a first-round prospect. Well, your assessment, though. I mean, not... I, I think four quarterbacks will go in the first round um, because I think that uh, Herbert, Love, Burrow, and Tua will go in the first round. But it sounds like there's really three to and you. And I think Jacob Beeson could sneak into the first round as well because he's a really good thrower. But it sounds like three legitimately. Would um, you put Love above Herbert. I would, but I know Herbert. You know, people are going to talk about Herbert at the Senior Bowl. They say he had a good week. I guess he was MVP of the week. I don't know what that means. Right. Um, uh, yeah, but I mean, based on tape. And I watched Herbert and Love last summer from the year before as well. So I've got a, a pretty good track record of seeing these guys. They've, they've, I've seen a lot of plays of Herbert and Love. I remember you talking about Baker Mayfield, and uh, the, you were surprised by how on schedule he was right? and how it wasn't freelancing when you saw him at Oklahoma. Of the ten guys you've watched at quarterback, I always love asking you this question, what surprised you the most based on what you had heard about a player, wow. what you thought about a player, and then you turned on the film and watched it, and it was something completely different than what you had heard. Well, the reason it's tougher for me this year, Chad, is because a lot of these guys I watched last summer. Yeah. So they weren't virgin territory for me. They weren't completely surprised for that Mayfield reason. Mayfield was virgin territory for me. Um, I mean, there was a quarterback just – not. this is not a direct answer to your question, but there's a quarterback I watched because I read that he was the MVP of the East-West Shrine game, and that was James Morgan of Florida International. And I was really intrigued by this kid. I mean, I could see this kid – if. He, I don't know if he'll be invited to the combine. I don't, you know, I don't know that. I guess the list hasn't come out yet. But if he's invited to the combine, I'm fascinated by how he goes through the process because I think this could could end up being a third round type player. And again, he's probably not ready week one, but he's a guy that I found really interesting on tape. Greg, leave us with uh, some some points of emphasis you're going to make for NFL matchup for Super Bowl Fifty Four. The, well, both of these offenses are very good on yeah. third down. Uh, defensively, the defenses are pretty good on third down as well. A yeah. couple of thoughts. One of the things with the 49ers defense 
is they were a very high, high percentage nickel defense playing with five defensive backs. It would not surprise me in this game, particularly in second and long and third and long, to see them play with six defensive backs because they've got a, a, a safety slash corner more from Southern Miss who ran under a 4-4-40 at the Combine uh, or, or on his pro day. I don't believe it was the Combine. And he's played. He's in his second year. And it would not surprise me to see the Niners get him on the field and play more snaps with six defensive backs because of the opponent and the speed that the Chiefs bring to the table. So that would be one thing that I would look for. Final thing for you, the tight ends in this matchup. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you just swap them for their offenses. Would well, you Kelsey able- wouldn't fit because the inline blocking. Kelsey's not a great inline blocker, and Kittle's inline blocking is absolutely critical for what the 49ers do on offense. Kelsey's more of a wide receiver, a big wide receiver. Is that At how time, you describe yes, him? Yeah. Not, yeah. And, but what I would look for in this game, and, and what will um, uh, happen in this game, is you're going to get um, Kelsey as the single receiver to the short side of the field, what we call the boundary X. And he'll be on the back side of three wide receivers to the field. Look for Kelsey as the single receiver and Tyree Kill as the inside slot to the three-receiver side. That is a bear to deal with for a defense. Because you get uh, Hill screaming in the middle of the field on vertical routes, you need help. One guy's not going to handle that. And then sometimes Hardman is also, he's just outside of Hill right. as number two in that trips look. And that is... I mean, it's the speed element. There's a lot of speed. And, and, and that doesn't even include Sammy Watkins, who's got a lot of speed, too. I mean, there's just a lot of speed there. And, and then he didn't even mention, you know, the, the backs out of the backfield that can run Well, here's what, great here's what you're going to see. They, they run a lot of what we call all-go routes. And what they did, and people may remember this from the Thursday night opener a few years ago, when Alex Smith hit Kareem Hunt on that 78-yard touchdown. A lot of people might remember that play. That was a play we call all-go H-seam. H for halfback seam because he ran a vertical seam. It would not surprise me if Hill or Hardman is the guy in the backfield with four wide receivers on the field and Kelsey, and that Hill or Hardman is the guy that runs that vertical seam because that's what Andy does. He runs the same plays. He gets to them differently with different people. Greg Cosell, always excellent, always presented with us by the Huffaker Group of Keller Williams Realty, online at THGTN.com. Great to see you in person, as always, Greg, and uh, we will catch up with you next week to recap Super Bowl 54. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks.